Good morning, everyone, and welcome here to worship at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church, and especially welcome to all of you who are listening at home. It is great to have you here with us, and we pray that God's Spirit will touch you as you join us on this podcast of worship here at Rolling Bay. This is our third Sunday gathered in this sanctuary, Sharon and Nancy and myself, to lead the congregation in worship during this time. This will be our last Sunday in the sanctuary with the new uh, orders of the governor. We can no longer occupy or be in this space, but we will be continuing to create these worship podcasts. Sharon in her home, Nancy in my home, and I will be staying home to stay healthy in my home. And we will be incorporating a few other pieces of music into our worship podcast. We hope that every Sunday we will still be producing a full worship service for you, and there will be bulletins at our website for those full worship services. Right now we have about 70, maybe 80, or maybe 85 people listening to this, and we hope that each of you finds something of great value for you as you worship the Lord with us each Sunday live in this podcast. And now let us prepare ourselves for worship with this gathering song. And now, if you will stand and join me in our call to worship. In my youth, with energy, I will praise my Maker. When labor fills my days, my strength and creativity will bear witness to God. When the day is done, I will with gratitude bow before my Redeemer. And when morning gilds the skies, my heart awakening cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. Please join us in singing, When Morning Gilds the Skies. The words of the song are found on your bulletin.
now, if you will join me in our unison morning prayer. Holy and merciful God, you set before us each day choices that lead to life and death. We acknowledge that sometimes we choose the easy ways of habit in place of the hard ways you lay before us. Other times, selfishness clouds our minds and we choose to live only for ourselves. Forgive us. May your Holy Spirit move within us so that our lives follow your guidance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen to the good news of the gospel. The love of the Lord will never let you go. There is nothing you can do or there is nothing you can say that will somehow break the bond of love that God has for you. We know this because we know the love of the Lord in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through his power and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are set free each day to love, to live, and to serve the Lord. So may the peace of Christ be with each one of you. And also with you. Please take a moment to offer that peace to one another. Sharon, peace to you. Peace to you, Martin. And Nancy, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And on behalf of all of us out there, peace to you in your homes. seated. Our first reading today comes from Psalm 130. Listen for God's word to you. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, who, excuse me, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. 
My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
let the people say, Amen. You know, I've said it many times, and I'll say it again, that the choir is a very special group of people in this congregation. And one of the things that it does for me is that it actually prepares my heart and my mind each time in worship, whether it's recorded like it is today from a song that was sung before, or whether it's live like it is on most Sundays, the choir lifts my spirit, lifts my soul, and helps me lead this congregation. So thank you to all of you who participate in that ministry. Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 3, and I invite you to listen to God's word to you. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Traconitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to the John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, then, then what should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. And the soldiers asked John, And what? What should we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, but be satisfied with your wages. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. You know, in these days, in this particular moment, I am learning all kinds of new phrases, and there are all kinds of interesting twists and turns going on in our world. I think one of the new phrases that most of us learned early on in this, and early on probably was only three or four weeks ago at the most, was that phrase of social distancing, that all of us need to practice remaining distant to one another a good six feet so that if somehow we cough or something, 
we won't possibly spread any infection or disease to someone else. Be socially distant. You see it on every sign, on every building, right here in our church. Kind of keep your distance from everyone. We hear the phrase, or you've heard the word, coronavirus. I had never heard that word used before this moment and in this time. If you had come up to me maybe three months ago and did a verbal Rorschach test and said, Marty, I'm going to say a word and I want you to respond the first thing that comes to your mind. And then you said, coronavirus, I probably would have said, that's what happens when you have a hangover in Mexico during spring break. Coronavirus, right? And people would have chuckled and laughed and nobody would have known what I'm talking about because it's something new. And this new word, coronavirus, refers to something that has sent almost 20 to 25% of the global population into their homes. Just stop for a second. 20 to 25% of the global population. Way more than a billion people have been told by their government leaders. Just recently, the leader of India, Mr. Modi, said to all Indian people, 1.3 billion people, you need to stay at home. Something invisible. Something much, much smaller than a mustard seed that is a new coronavirus has impacted the entire globe and many of us are told that the best thing to do is to stay at home. In fact, our governor now has just proclaimed that we need to stay home to stay healthy. And when he brought this out, I, I couldn't agree more, but I'm not here to agree or disagree with the governor. I started to chuckle when I heard stay home to stay healthy because most recently in a lot of the ads that we get, it's Go outside. You need to get into activity. You need to be involved in the world. Engage in things. Find some place where you can go to volunteer. Be involved in your school. Be involved in sports. Be involved in all kinds of things. Get out of the house. Stop playing video games in front of a television. Go outside and have fun. And now it's almost just the opposite. We can go outside to walk, but we have to stay away from people. Many of the volunteer organizations that we could belong to and participate in are saying, you know, we're not going to actually have too many volunteers. Why don't you stay home, send resources, send money. But, you know, right now, volunteering in any organization out there, you've got to be very, very careful. So stay home to stay healthy. And as a part of that stay home, stay healthy, the governor and the state published a whole list of what is essential services. Never before did I think that the state of Washington would publish something called essential services, but I may be one of the only people who's read all 14 pages. And I'm, I'm well, I don't know if I'm happy or not happy. It was interesting to discover in those essential services that our church and the ministry of our church and the ministry of faith communities around the state and this country are not essential. We are not essential at this moment in terms of 
this reality. Of course, healthcare workers are essential. Of course, grocery stores are essential. I'm not going to argue with that. Toilet paper producers are essential. If there's any manufacturer of toilet paper, get out there and manufacture it because we need a lot more because everybody seems to have hoarded all of it. But the point is, is that there is this attempt by the governor, and it's a good attempt, to go through in 14 pages and to determine what is essential in this world. And we're not on it. But I'm here to say that what we produce and what we create and what we as a church are really all about is absolutely essential because the Church of Jesus Christ today and yesterday and always will be a place that helps produce people of hope. And at this time, in this moment, in this day, hope is absolutely essential. I was very excited when I woke up on Monday morning of this past week. On there was an email that I checked at about 5 a.m. in the morning, and it had been written by one of the members of our church who sent it out at 1 o'clock in the morning this past Monday. And it was an email about she was getting our church involved in an effort to create 5,000 homemade, home-sewn masks for all of the various you know, medical care and medical people around there who need masks to maintain their safety, their security, their health during this time. And all of us had seen all weekend long about various hospitals and places where doctors and nurses and others were lacking masks. And for whatever reason, and I'm not here to criticize anybody, they put out calls to somehow make masks. And one of the members of our church Diane Thompson, who's a part of our quilting group, immediately got busy, started sending out emails, got this church involved in an effort here in Kitsap County to produce 5,000 masks. And she was out there asking people who can sew, can you sew? And she got other members of the church involved in sewing. But in the email that she sent out to me and others, she was asking, we need some volunteers to come to church who will practice social distancing so that they stay healthy. But we need them to come because we're going to have a delivery of stuff here at the church. And we need to sort it. And then that needs to get picked up and moved out to all kinds of people so that they can work in their homes staying healthy staying home, and produce masks. It is inspiring when members of our church figure out how they can get involved even when volunteering is difficult and even when the challenge is great so that we can be people of hope in this moment. In the middle of the week, I got an email from one of the people in part of the Boy Scouting program on this island who's also a member of the church, a teenager, and he asked if he could somehow use a piece of our property to create one of those small food pantries. You know, you've seen those things around on TV and other places. We have these little portable libraries going up in various neighborhoods. Well, he was inspired by somebody else, and for his Eagle Scout project, he wants to create a food pantry because he knows that there are people here on Bainbridge, and he's going to be asking our church, and I'll take it to the session, and we'll talk about it, but he wants to place it in a place on our property where it can be stocked by any local neighbors, putting in cans of food, so that if there are people who are hungry moving around this community, they know that there's always going to be a place other than the food bank, 
other than some handout at a restaurant where they can get food. It is inspiring and it brings hope out of me to participate in a congregation like this where people are responding in ways that they can. Hope is essential. It's like, it's like a novel I read years ago, and I can't remember exactly the novel's title, but I remember the scene, and two people were driving down the road, and it started to rain harder and harder and harder, and the windshield wipers were going faster and faster, and the passenger on the side turned to a very experienced driver and said, how can you see? How can you see? Stop the car. He said, well, no, I just need to slow down a little bit. I can see just fine. You see, the problem, and he turned to the person who was the passenger, the problem is you're looking at the windshield and you just see the rain falling down. And so you can't see anything. The trick, when the rain is falling hard and it seems like you're blind, is to keep your eyes still focused on the road ahead so that you know where you're going and you can see. Slowly, carefully, you'll continue to drive down the road and you can see even through the rain. That's what hope is. Hope isn't seeing clearly the future. Hope is in the midst of the deluge to know that there is, there is someone there is a power, there is a vision that you can see through and grasp as you live in the deluge, but you're working towards a time when hope becomes even stronger. And for those of us who are part of a church community, that hope is always found in the Lord, like in Psalm 130. A person who cries out for help and ask God to hear their situation. But at the same time, the psalmist reassures everyone who reads this that you can trust in the Lord in the midst of this situation. You can always trust in the Lord, for the Lord will help you, and the Lord has the power and is redeeming the people of Israel. We who come to church every Sunday believe powerfully that in all situations that we are faced, even situations where 20 to 25% of the globe is protecting themselves, and many live in fear. Many of us live with a certain level of anxiety and fear that we didn't have last week or the week before. But even as we have a certain level of fear and a certain level of anxiety, we can see through the deluge of this particular viral infection sweeping the world, and we can hear the words of the psalmist saying to us, trust in the Lord. The Lord has brought the people of Israel through many things in the past. The Lord is bringing you through this moment, and the Lord will continue to bring all of us through the moments of challenge and difficulty that we face. Each day, one of my own personal rituals is that I go and I find OregonLive.com. It's a website in my home state where I grew up, and it's the Oregonian newspaper, basically online. And they had an article in there this past week, and it was an article of a young reporter who had decided in this moment to go and interview various elderly folks or older folks in the community that they knew 
and asked them, where do you find hope in this moment? And one of them was a Jewish couple, way into their 80s, who had survived the Holocaust as kids. And she asked them, where do you find hope? And they said, well, that's a, that's a young person's question. They said, we find hope both in our faith, but we find hope in knowing that all the things that have happened in our lives, all the bumps, all the bruises, all the setbacks, all the problems that have happened over the last 80 years, we have always come through them as a couple, as a family. Our family has always come through them. Sometimes we have lost family members. Sometimes it seemed as if it wasn't going to go the way that we wanted. But we always look back and realize that God has brought us through. You can trust in the Lord. You know, this is the season of Lent, and this is the fifth Sunday of Lent. It's almost as if Lent somehow got lost, and it's almost as if I almost don't even realize Easter is coming up. It's just a different time because this whole situation is so big upon all of our lives. And Lent is that time in this gospel that we read today when usually preachers talk about repentance and change. And usually we are asked to do something like give something up. But I'm going to say right now in Lent, with all the power vested in me as a pastor at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church to the whole Christian world out there right now, you don't need to give anything up this Lenten season anymore because so much has been taken away already. This virus and its situation has taken away so much employment in people's lives. This virus has taken away our capacity to come together around worship, around sports. This virus has taken away all of our entertainment and our arts and our theater. Oh yeah, we can go online and stuff like that and see awesome lectures and awesome things like that, but all of these gathering places that make us a community have been taken away so that we can stay healthy, so that we can stay at home. And yes, we are discovering new ways, but this Lenten season cannot simply be about a time of giving up so that we can grow spiritually. This Lenten season needs to be about a time of discovering where we find our hope in this moment. Because hope is essential to live through times of deluge and difficulty. John the Baptist had that hope. He did not simply live a life and go through the motions. John the Baptist was a type of person who had so much hope in God that he had no fear to face those who were way more powerful than him. If you know the story of John the Baptist, it didn't particularly end well. But his life was one of pointing towards the hope, pointing towards God, that with the power of God, we can change our lives. And it can sometimes be as simple as understanding that to live a healthy life in a time like John's, it was simply a matter of, if you have two coats, 
share one. If you have extra clothes, share them with people in need. If you have more money than you actually thought that you needed at this moment, there are thousands of people around the globe who could use a helping hand. And we do that because other people are just as much children of God as you and I are. Prophets live by hope. Because so often prophets like John preach and teach, but they do not see the results or the changes that they call people to make. So they live by the power of hope. For us, that hope is found in Jesus Christ. For us, that hope is found in a God who extends grace to us even if we don't deserve it. For us, the hope is found in the power of the Holy Spirit that whispers in people's ears, you can make a mask at home, you can create a food pantry, you can help out at this time, you can knock on a neighbor's door, you can call a friend, you can call another friend. After all, you've got all the time in the world because you're staying at home to stay healthy. I want to thank all of our deacons and other members who have been calling around to members of this church. I know about 14 so people have been calling about 10 different people during each week to touch base with people. And I want to say that that has brought happiness, that has brought joy, and that has brought a small dose of hope into people's lives who are remaining at home as much as possible. We are called to be people of hope at this time. So I encourage you to ask yourself in your prayers and in your days at home, how can I develop the capacity to see through this moment, to see towards God who is offering the hope that comes with love, with grace, with peace, with Christ? Amen. I just wanted to say a quick word about the song that you're about to hear. Uh, this song was shared with me by a member of the congregation, and it's a song about hope. It was used uh, during World War II as a part of the time of the Blitz in London, when the British were being bombed on a regular basis, and this song was played over the radio every night. It is a song of hope, and it was made famous by a singer named Vera Lynn and Sharon has graciously learned this song uh, just the other day. So thank you, Sharon, and please enjoy listening. And Nancy.
And now, let us pray. We thank you, God. We thank you, loving God, for the vulnerable yet wonderful gift of life. To be alive is to be is to receive an unspeakable honor. We thank you that from birth to growth and maturation and into decline, our life is precious in your sight. We thank you, God, that our movement towards physical death is not the final sentence in our story. We thank you that by faith we are born to a new and living hope in a future where love never ends. We thank you that in death as in life, we are in the hands of a lover who knows our name and who treasures our identity. Most holy God, for this gift of our life, defined by the very being of Christ Jesus, we give you thanks and praise this day and always. O oh God, you are God ready to hear our prayers, and so we offer our prayers for others. Source of life, God of love, let your salvation surround the living who walk under the shadow of sickness. Come, O oh God, with your life and light. Be close to our children. By simple faith in your undying grace, may they have peace in these times of living at home, away from friends, and away from schools and sports and all their hobbies. Come, O oh God, with your life and light. Be close to people who are caught up in the rawness and anxiety of these uncertain times. Enable them to find hope, deep hope, in your abiding love. Come, O oh God, with your life and light. Be close to all who care for the dying, in hospitals or at home, in a hospice. Be close to all who are caring for the lonely and the isolated. Be close to all those providing health care in our hospitals and clinics. Come, O oh God, with your life and light. Be close to leaders who are making decisions that affect us all. Guide them in your ways and wisdom. Help them to work well among themselves so that our communities and our countries will come through this moment stronger. Come, O oh God, with your life and your light. Be close to preachers and teachers. Be by your tireless spirit. May inadequate words take flesh and become powerful agents in helping people to begin living well, living with hope now. We ask this all through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, as we do every Sunday, 
I invite you to offer your gifts and your resources to God. For those of you who have been giving to us through online giving or by mailing your checks, thank you very much. The giving is getting stronger and stronger through those modes. I know that normally we give in this church through the plates that are passed around in worship, but at this time you can fulfill your pledge and give in this church by doing so online or through the mail. Please give.
Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to serve others. And we pray that in our service and in our lives this week, we may be people of hope to you, to one another, to our own families. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now you're invited to join in singing our final hymn today, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Please stand and join us. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 